Hal and Debbie have given themselves to 40 years of study and strategically ap applying the principles of disciple making for 40 years. Someone say 40 years. They have pastored um, multiple churches over those 40 years, but in 2010, they sensed the Lord's call to go and be mothers and fathers <laughs> to churches all over the country and world, like our church. And uh, there's a lot more cool stuff. They've done a lot professionally. There's some amazing books out there. And uh, without further ado, just so he has plenty of time, can you give it up for Hal Perkins, please, as he comes. And we just want to um, we just want to pray for our, our Hal. Can you just extend your hand? And so we just want to bless him. Just pray in your heart and spirit. Lord, we just bless. And you. your word says that uh, in Matthew 10, when we receive a prophet, someone who carries the word of the Lord, the word of the Father, that we receive a reward of the prophet. And so, Lord, we welcome the ministry of the Perkins family. We welcome this grace gift that they're going to deposit Lord, into our hearts, into our minds, into our friendships, our marriages, our families, our city. And Lord, we just welcome them with open hearts, open minds, open eyes to see the beauty of King Jesus. And we're thrilled that he actually wants to make us into his home. And so anoint this man, Father, and his, and his wife as they minister the power of Christ we just welcome them in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Give them a big shout and an amen. Come on. Amen. Thank you, Chad. Well, you all know, or most of you know what you have in your pastor. And so what I want to do is to honor you for being willing to follow. Leaders can't do anything or go anywhere without people who are willing to follow. And you have a stunning, unusual young leader. Thank you. Thank you for being willing to follow. He is leading you the right direction. He doesn't have a vision of 10 billion people. He doesn't have a vision of buildings. He doesn't have a vision of anything other than fixing his eyes on Jesus. Die for that. Die for that. So thank you, Chad. We don't deserve to be here. Thank you on this great day. Bless you. This is a great day. So, by Wednesday night at whatever, we start at what time each night? 6.30? About 7.40ish on Wednesday night. My prayer is, and I ask you to join me in prayer, I really mean that, that there will be a core of people who will be determined, have a holy resolve to actually walk as Jesus walked. Nothing less. A holy resolve. And if there can be that, as we'll work through all week long, that will require a lot of work. A lot of work. You don't go to the Olympics by wishing and hoping and having a dream. You see it, but you work. See? 
And so, but you don't work unless you see it. So we must see it. So that is my prayer. Will you join me in that prayer? By Wednesday night, there will be a core of people who say nothing else is acceptable other than our holy resolve to walk exactly as Jesus walked. We're going to work on that this week. Would you be willing to, uh, let's stand and honor scripture, can we? Read with me, please. We know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Now, you do know probably that in many, many, many Protestant churches in America, if I just said that, they would think me a heretic. Are you aware of that? See, are you aware of that? See, Well, actually, it's pretty close to true because it's scripture. <laughs> so, well, let's keep going. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Probably this morning, if I said to you before I put this up, how many of you know Jesus? Probably most of you would say, I do. And if you're here and couldn't say that, thank you for coming. You're so wanted, so welcomed. Watch it. Watch it. Sniff it out. Check it out. It's the biggest deal of your life. Thank you for coming. If you couldn't say, I know Jesus. But here it says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Whoa. I could have been a little nicer my first time. Let's go on. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Okay, now it's gonna now it's gonna lighten up. It's gonna we're gonna get to the good stuff now. You know, here it is. Whoever says we know him, I mean that, that I mean whoever's in the family, born again, redeemed, saved, regenerated. You know all those words, going to heaven. That, that's it. Whoever says we know him, he, he, this is how we know we're in him. Huh? True or false? Huh. We're going to work on it this week. Okay? So, pray if you will. Come if you can. Do whatever the Lord leads. But we're going to work this week. Did you know being a Christian has a lot to do with work? Sorry. Whoever told you don't work didn't know what they were talking about. So now I'm a heretic just all over the place this morning. For by grace are you saved through faith. You don't have to work. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. We didn't come to hear anything less than you. By your spirit, through your word, even through donkeys. Amen. 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 You may be seated. So, a long time ago, I read this verse. Didn't make sense. Above all else... Guard your heart, for everything you do, everything you do flows from it. And I thought, that's pretty extreme. Got to thinking about it over the decades, and now one chance to talk with you on Sunday morning, and I picked this verse. Above all else, guard your heart. What I'm going to work on up here this morning is the heart. And it's really Jesus' heart. You won't know it until tonight. So if you can come back tonight, I'll show you how it's Jesus. But we're going to work on the heart. And let me ask you to make sure our times are clear. 
we're meeting Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning at what time? Six o'clock. I had 6.30. Six o'clock. Tonight we'll talk about that's early. Four o'clock's very early for Jesus, but we'll meet at six o'clock right here somewhere. Okay. Six o'clock for all who can. All right. So, tonight... Um, and what we'll do in those meetings, both early in the morning and each night after the evening service, what we'll do is we will practice the presence of Jesus. We're called to live a supernatural, crazy life like Jesus. Fair enough out there. We're called to do it at the speed of life. Well, we're going to slow it down and practice. I'm an old coach, and so I believe in practice. So what we do in the church, you know, let's see, where are we located here? So are we, are we, I have to be careful what I say here. Are we Rams fans here? Are we 49? Never mind, whoever we are. But, but you, here, here let, let me tell you about a football team. The coach comes up and he puts a couple plays on the board and he says, now you're going to play quarterback, you're going to play tight end, you're a wide receiver. And he says, everybody got to play? Okay, sick them and they go out to the game, right? <laughs> Actually, no. Because... Football's important. So what they do is they get the theory for two minutes, and then they practice, and they practice, and they practice, and they practice, and they practice, and, they, and then they go out and execute for four seconds that which they practice for hours and hours and hours and hours and train for for a lifetime. But we don't need to do that because we're Christians. So we can give you the theory, blah, 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 and then say, sick them. No, we need to practice the presence of Jesus because we're called to be it out there. And it's not a game, it's a war. For the heart and soul, not just of the church, but of the lost, so we have to look and sound like Jesus. So if you can, come, we'll practice late at night and early in the morning. That's when we get to practice. Fair enough? Okay. So above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Hmm. Well, how, how real is that? Well, you all know this. For God so loved the world, does God love everyone? God's not willing that any should perish. Right? God wants everyone to be saved, but that all should come to repentance. And he sent his son Jesus to die for everyone, we agree. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to convict the world, that would be everyone, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So God has done everything necessary, everything possible to make it possible for persons who have freedom to come to him. But not everyone does it. Did you know that? Not everyone is saved. In fact, according to stats, I don't know if this is true or not, but only 9% of the people in our country, in Christian America, only 9% of the people in our country are doing what you're doing this morning. And a lot of people show up at church, think they're Christians because they come to church. Doesn't make a Christian come to church. Everybody knows that, right? Just, everybody knows that, see? But, but anyhow... God doesn't want anybody to perish. Reality is, there's all kinds of people in the United States of America on their way to hell. See, Not because God doesn't love them, not because he didn't send his son to give everything for them, not because he didn't send his spirit to do whatever was necessary to make it possible, but because of the condition of their heart. It's the condition of your heart that will determine your eternal destiny. Would you say it's important? See? And beyond that, Jesus loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her like himself, to make her holy, right? So Jesus loves all the Christians, died for all of them, sent his spirit. It's a big deal. He sent his spirit to live in us. Why? To sanctify us, to make us like him. That is to give us joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, goodness. I mean, to make us like him. 
to have abundant life, not sad, not discouraged, not down, not critical, not beating. He, he came to give us life and life to the full or abundant life. You know what? I, I know a few Christians who are grouchy. <laughs> have you seen them? Oh, yeah, huh? and, and they fight. And they argue and they, I won't tell you all the stuff they do. Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the church down the road. <laughs> not you. I, I know, not you. But, but Jesus coming and dying and sending his spirit made it possible for us to have life. He really, really intends for us to have life now. Now. Abundant, significant life. But you know what? Most Christians walk around in fear, anger, futility, hostility. Their soul's a mess. Their heart is a mess. Not because Jesus doesn't make victory possible, but it's not inevitable because Christians haven't been trained to guard their heart. See, the condition of your heart will determine not only your eternal destiny, but it will, in, it will determine your abundant life now. And I'll quickly say, the condition of your heart determines whether your kids like you or not. Now, I had, now I'm really in trouble. Determines what your boss thinks about you. Determines if your neighbors are attracted to your God or distracted from him because of the condition of your heart. So the condition of your heart determines your eternal destiny. It determines your abundant life now. And it determines your impact forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Would you say that it's important that we guard our hearts? So we're going to work on it. Is that all right? Everybody use that terrible word. Work. Work. Yeah, there it is. It's work. It's work. So here's the trick. Have you been discipled to guard your heart? Now, disciple doesn't mean taught. I'm teaching right now. That's a little tiny piece of discipling. But far, far from discipling, really, it's trained and tested. It's, it's practiced. It's, it's discipled to guard your heart. Most haven't been. I'm going to ask Debbie to come and tell a story about our son. Thank you, hon. Well... Our son quit growing in the second grade. Now, he was a triplet, so when his sisters got taller, we thought, oh, you know what? Girls grow faster than boys. And, and so I didn't do anything about it until he was in the fifth grade. When he was in the fifth grade, I finally took him to the doctor, and he got diagnosed with hypothyroidism. We immediately got him on some medication. He lost 30 pounds of fluid, <laughs> and then we moved. We moved from a little tiny town in Idaho to big city Oklahoma City. And he walked into a middle school of 1,500 kids looking like a first grader. Do you know what they do to kids that look like first graders in middle school? They pulled his hair. They called him names. They'd hit him. They'd stuff him in the locker. And our outgoing, effervescent son became quiet, sullen, and angry. He'd come home from school, and he'd go up to his room, and he'd just slam the door. Now, because we'd had three children on one day, we knew that it was important that they have focused attention. And we knew that Jesus had asked us to make disciples, and our primary disciples are our children. So early on in their lives, we decided it'd be a really good deal for their dad to take them out each week on a date. 
Our, our daughter, Deborah, described it this way. When she was 18, someone said, who's the most influential person in your life? She said, oh, it's my dad. Because he takes me out each week, and he asks me questions, listening for the cracks in my heart. And when he finds the cracks, he pours in love and truth. So that kind of relationship was already established with David before this crisis came. So Hal would come home, and he'd go up, and he'd knock on that bedroom door. Now, I'm going to make this sound like it happened once, but it happened day after day after day. Hal would come home, and he'd go up and knock on the door, and then David would come out. And then Hal would get down on one knee so that he could look at him eyeball to eyeball. And he'd say, what's the matter, pal? Nothing. That's what you say in middle school. They, they make fun of you again today. Yeah. Can, can you tell me what they did? And little by little, David would tell up to 15 things that had happened in one day. I mean, one time he took his PE clothes during class, so he had to wear his PE clothes to class. I mean, it was mean things, hurting him physically, mentally, every way. Mean things. 15, one day. And by the time that he's told all these 15 things, Hal is crying. And he puts his arm around David and he said, who loves you, pal? You do, dad. Oh, you know I do. I love you and I believe in you. And whatever you have to go through, pal, we're gonna go through it together. really isn't that important. Who, who really loves you? Jesus. Do you really believe that? Is Jesus a real person? Does Jesus have thoughts? Does he have thoughts about you? And he would work it into David's heart till eventually David would get his shoulders back and his head up. And as he tells a story, he would walk up and down those middle school halls and he'd be thinking, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. And that's, that's when our young son became a man of God. Because he wasn't going to be a slave to the opinions of others. No, 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 no. They weren't going to determine his value. They weren't going to determine how important he was. No, 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 no. Jesus loves me. And I love Jesus. I win. Jesus loves me. And I love Jesus. I'm successful. Jesus loves me. And I love Jesus. That's enough. Well, he kept coming home and telling his dad these stories, and a name kept coming up. His name was Sean. Now, Sean was a partier and a drinker. He was into drugs. And it was kind of like he had a chip on his shoulder. He was always looking to pick a fight. <laughs> he was excited he'd found David. So his name kept coming up. So one time Hal said to him, Hey, hey pal, uh, would you 
ever consider Ashan to be an enemy? Uh, yeah. Wow. Hmm. What, what was it that Jesus said we should do with our enemies? Uh, love them, bless them, pray for them. Wow. What would that look like for you to go back to school and bless Ashan and love Ashan? And they would come up with ideas that David could go back to school and bless his enemies. Well, one time in one of his classes, David finally got up enough nerve and he said, Hey, Ashan, you want to come over to our house and stay overnight? Oh, whoa. Nobody had ever asked Ashan to stay overnight before. Ashan came over and stayed overnight at our house. And at 2 a.m. in the morning, he turns to David and says, David, what is up with you? I've made fun of you. I've called you names. And you've turned around and called me friend. <laughs> David got to tell him about a man named Jesus. And Ashan and David became a team to change that middle school. Okay, what are we going to do? Uh, let's start a prayer meeting. Oh, uh, every week? No, 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 every day. Every day? So they started with five kids. Now, when you're a triplet, that doesn't take long. <laughs> the five went to 20. The 20 went to 40. The 40 went to 60. Then the principal called up the teacher again and says, shut it down. The kids went to prayer. And then after three weeks, that principal called up the teacher again and said, hey, you know that prayer thing you were doing? You can go ahead and have it. And I'm so excited to tell you on this Sunday morning that for the next 20 years, every single day before school at Hefner Middle School in Oklahoma City, a hundred kids gathered to pray before they went to class. To God be the glory. Yes, yes, yes. God gets the glory for that. But I know I know if there hadn't been somebody that was willing to take the time to put his arm around a devastated heart, willing to help him guard his heart, to ask the questions, to find the cracks, and pour in love and truth, it would have never happened. David grew to be as tall as I am. He started a national ministry in Colorado Springs that has seven to 10,000 young people from across America come for three days of prayer and fasting. He has 1,000 youth pastors across the nation that look to him for leadership. He has 100 interns that pay thousands of dollars to be discipled by those that he's discipled. Oh, God's using him in mighty, mighty ways. In fact, just a couple months ago, I looked at my Instagram, and there was a picture of him, and I go... I called him up. I said, David, what is up with this picture? He said, Mom, I just spoke to 14,000 high schoolers, and the other speaker was Tim Tebow. He was, <laughs> it was a picture of David with Tim Tebow. Oh, God's using him in mighty, mighty ways. Yay. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. This mom, this mom knows that for a boy of 12, it could have gone either way. It could have gone either way. Ashan went on to train missionaries to go to the unreached people groups. And that's a great story, too. But the reason we tell you the story is you can see how important it was that David had someone to help him guard his heart.
and maybe as I've told the story, you've thought, I, I, I need someone to help me guard my heart. Or, or maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit has quickened in you someone that you need to put your arm around. Because every day is a battle for the affections of our heart. We're in battle. We're in war. But we have Jesus. And we have each other. Amen. See, church Jesus style is a whole lot more than listening to sermons and singing songs. Jesus hung out with some guys. They spend a lot of time together working on stuff. So if you're willing to practice his presence, we'll be hanging out this week. So I... About seven years ago when Debbie and I thought we were supposed to run around the country doing this, um, David and I were both speaking at a conference in Chicago. So we met in Denver, arranged our flights, and we flew from Denver to Chicago together. And we're sitting there, and, and I said, hey, pal, we're, we're taking off uh, doing this new thing, running around the country. And do you think it'd be all right with you if we told your story? He said, oh, sure, that's fine. I said, tell me, what, what do you think would have happened... If you and I hadn't been meeting every week for a couple hours from the time you were three, but then in this crisis time, almost every day, what do you think would have happened if we hadn't been thinking about what was happening to you and how you were responding to it, blah, blah, blah? What, what do you think would have happened? Oh, death, no question. He said, I'd been an alcoholic, I'd have been a drug addict, I'd have done anything, anything to be accepted by those kids who made fun of me and mocked me. See? Something. See, David was a pastor's kid. Any pastor's kids here? Some of you? Okay, you probably know. Pastor's kids go to church about 40 times a week. Did you know that? <laughs> and David knew inside out, Jesus loves me. He knew it. Jesus loves me. But when you're walking down the halls of middle school, and you're half the size of everyone else, and someone kind of comes along and they take a look at you, they say, you don't belong here. Pow! They smash you in the shoulder. It kind of make you forget Jesus loves me. You, you have some emotions that aren't real holy. And you want to do stuff that doesn't look pretty, like kill people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow, some way, it's not about being hearers of the word, but being doers. See, we gotta hear, gotta hear, blah, blah, gotta hear. Everybody got that? Do, 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 do. But it's to the end of doing. Jesus said, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. See? It's about being doers of the word. Or, or I don't know if pastor's kids all know this. You probably all know it. David knew it inside out. David knew, love your enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you. He knew it. Bless them that curse you. He knew it. But when you're in middle school... And you're sitting there, and your hair is just about this color and a little bit longer. And you're sitting there, and someone sticks their hand in the, back of your, in the back of your hair and yanks it down so you hit your head on the back of the desk. Kind of makes you forget to love your enemies. You, 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 you think things, and you feel things. You want to do things that aren't pretty. See? And so one of the things that has to happen in the church is we have to realize that we have truth but that truth goes into our heart, and there's a lot of stuff in our hearts besides the truth. And we need to learn 
to guard our heart. So, didn't ask permission to do this, Pastor. Can we have a little fun? Yes. It's all right. Yeah, awesome. it, okay, all right, okay, I'm okay. So, so I need you to help me. I need you to tell me if you have a married couple in this church that, you know, could take a, have a little fun that maybe they'd help me here this morning real quick. Where are you at? Who? Linda. Linda, who? Linda, who? Is this him? Lyndon Patrick? I've already met you. Good. All right. Good. Come, come, come. Come quick. Clap for them. They have no idea what they're getting into. Okay. Good. So, Linda, if you'd be willing to sit right here. That's right. And Patrick, if you'd sit right here, please. Thank you. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We will be praying for them during and after. And, and I need someone else that, that's, that's kind of fun. Uh, you, you know, I mean, not a grouch. Do you have anybody like that? Real quick. You got to find one. You mean nobody? Okay. Oh, Eugene. Okay. All right, good. Eugene, great. Thank you. Good. You, you, thank you. All right, good. He's courageous. And then, oh, oh we're going to have to move this a little bit. Then I need somebody who's really dependable, steady. Um, how about pastor? Would you help me? He doesn't know what he's getting into. No, he doesn't know this. We may have a service tonight. We may not. So, good. Here we are. So, here's your heart. This is what it looks like. And, uh, and, and so what we do is... We, we want to learn how to guard your heart. Honey, can you move this head for me? Good, we got it. All right. So we need to understand our heart. And to do that, we got some helpers here. When God made you, he gave you a heart. And I don't mean the kind that pumps, you know. All of you who love oatmeal and jog every morning, not talking to you. All right. I'm talking about the part of you that's made in the image of God, that's going to live forever and ever and ever, that's like God, that's your heart. And in your heart, when God made you, he gave you several components. There's a lot more than I have here, but gave you several components. But the very heart of your heart, the way God made you, is your will. Your will. Everybody has a will. That means God, but there's, a, there's the ability to say, I will. And I got all kinds of stuff coming, but I will. Everybody got a will? Okay. We're talking about strong will. Well, when God made you, he gave you a will. And I like to think of the will as kind of like the king, meaning that the will is the governor, the, the, the will is responsible. And so I would like to introduce you to, we call him Little King Will. So every king has a crown. So, little king will. Here we go. This is a good day. And it, it, you know, pictures, Facebook works. No, no. <laughs> little king will. So everybody honor the king, shall we? We're glad to have him with us this morning. Here he is. Okay, good. And along with the king, God made you with advisors to help the king, and so 
this is your heart. In your heart, there is a will with some advisors. So little King Will was born at an early age, and, and things went pretty well. He had lots of meetings with his advisors. Now, you know that every king has enemies. Did you know that? Does your heart have enemies? Oh, big time. And so he came up with this little deal that he made his advisors swear allegiance and loyal to him anytime before they had a meeting. So they'd come together. They all had swords. And what he'd make them do is he'd make them swear allegiance. You've seen this probably. They'd all come and they'd all swear, you know, they'd all come and swear allegiance to me. They'd all come. They would all come and swear allegiance. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, they would all. Okay, good, good. We didn't get a chance to practice. We might be at 3 o'clock. Anyhow, okay. So, so there we are, and they, they'd swear allegiance, and then they'd start their meeting, and they'd talk, and his advisor would advise him, and they'd come to a conclusion, but it was his responsibility to make sure that the conclusion they came to was implemented. That was his job. Well, things went pretty well for a while, <laughs> and then he turned two. <laughs> it was a terrible year, if you know what I mean. And, and so, so uh, in fact... It, it was so bad that it created a process in the future that by the time he got to middle school, his life was a mess. I mean, he was stealing stuff, he was getting in fights, he was putting stuff in his body that he shouldn't have, and in fact, he was getting in fights with the principal, getting kicked out of school, having all kinds of trouble at home, and it was so bad, I mean, so bad, that one day, his advisors accidentally met at Walmart. Without him. First time they'd ever met without him. And they got to talking. And he said, our life is so bad, I don't think I can stand it anymore. It's just a mess. Everything we do, we meet and we meet and meet. And that just goes from bad to worse. You know what she did? <laughs> right there in Walmart, she started crying. <laughs> she said, oh, it was terrible. He was embarrassed. And he said, come on, we need to do something. They said, what do you think? We've been doing everything we know. He said, I've got an idea. They said, what's that? He said, what would happen if we got a new king? <laughs> they jumped. <laughs> we, we could never, we couldn't recommend, I mean, we could never do that. He said, well, you do know, don't you, that if we keep on doing what we've been doing, we're going to keep getting what we've got. And they said, ah, and they, she started crying again. <laughs> and so, so he, he said, well, why don't we just think about it a while? Let's, let's just think. So they thought right there. And so after a while, he said, I've got an idea. He said, I've heard about a king who is good all the time. I mean, he loves everyone. And she said, well, that's funny. I was thinking about this king I'd heard about from, well, I mean, I heard that there's this king who he's smart. He knows everything. And he said, well, that's weird. Because I, I've heard about a king. He's powerful. He can do anything. They kept talking. They found out they were thinking about the very same king. All, all these things wrapped up into one. And they got excited. They, they thought they had an answer until she said, okay, who's going to tell little King Will? <laughs> and then they had a bigger problem. Who's going to tell the king that we recommend he not be king one? So they talked and talked. Finally, she said, you tell him. So they came to the next meeting. They all swore allegiance to each other because they're loyal, put their sword. And little king was, hey, you know, I had tea and crumpets and stuff. And he said, so I looked at him, and they were all nervous. Nobody was smiling. They were all, 
he, he'd ask questions. They didn't answer. There was advisors. He said, what is going on? And they just, and, and so finally, she said, tell him. And so little King Will looked over and he says, what is what? going on, man? Tell him. What is, what's the problem? You guys are supposed to be in my visor. You want to talk to me? He said, well, 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 come on. What's the problem? Tell me. And she, he said, well, 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 they think we need a new king. And, 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 and he ducked for fear, of little, but little King Will didn't even take out his sword. He just ducked his head. And he said, you're right. Our, our, our life is the pits. It's terrible. And, and, and I... I'm sick of being king. When you're king, you know, you do one thing right and a couple people notice, they forget about it. You do one thing wrong. You can do a hundred things right and nobody notices. You do one thing wrong. Everybody talks about it. They're upset with you. I'm sick of being king. I don't want to be king anymore. No more. I'm tired of it. So he said, okay, fine. Fine enough. I won't be king. So I'm sure since you're in my advisors, you've got a good recommendation for who we should have be king. And they got excited because he wasn't angry. They were pumped. And they said, oh, yeah, we do. We know a king that's good all the time. And little king will say, a king that's good all the time? Oh, never been one like that. She says, oh, yeah, besides that, he's smart. He knows everything. Little king will got miffed. He thought they were mocking him. Because he knew there's never been a king that is good all the time, knows everything. And he said, oh, 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 on top of that, he's powerful. He can do anything. And little King Will, he, he started chewing him. He said, you guys are supposed to be my advisors. You're supposed to help me, and you're mocking me? This is ridiculous. Come on. And they said, really? It's true. He said, okay, if it's true, tell me his name. Altogether, they said, well, his name is King. He said, oh, I've heard of him. You think, you think he could help us? They said, we've heard he can. He said, well, what do we have to do? They said, we've heard that if we'll just invite him into our heart, that, that he'll save our life. We'll said, no. They said, yeah, that's right. That's what we've heard. And so we said, all right, just invite him into our heart. They said, yeah, okay. So we're going to have to invite Jesus. Where am I? Oh, there it is, all right. So I need someone who can be like Jesus for a little while. Do you know anybody that can be like Jesus Who's for a few? Like Jesus? Get up here. Just need one. Sir, would you help me? What's your name? Randy? Good. Can you be like Jesus for a little bit here? Oh. <laughs> Good. Come, have a chair. So this is Jesus. So Will invited Jesus to come into his heart and... and uh, Jesus came and Will took a look at him and he said, uh, hmm, you don't look like I thought you would. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus just smiled. He was nice to him. And, and Will said, well, I've heard that all I have to do is invite you into my heart and you'll save my life. And Jesus said, I sure can. And Will said, well, I've heard you will. Jesus said, well, I will if you will. You're the will. And she said, oh. Well, I don't know about all that. All I know is this. My life is an absolute mess. And Jesus said, I know. Will said, how'd you know? Jesus said, I've been here all the time. Will said, well, since, since you're this king, why didn't you do something? And Jesus said, I did. What'd you do? Jesus said, I was talking to you. Will said, I didn't ever hear you. Jesus said, oh, you did. You just didn't recognize my voice. Because your heart's a mess. So, Will said, I don't know about all that either. 
All I know is this. My life is a mess. My advisors told me that if I invite you into my heart, that you could save our life. And so let's get after it. And to start with, I want you to know, I don't want to be king anymore. I'm sick of being king. When you're king, do you know that if you make one mistake, they blame you and they, they'll crucify I mean, it's terrible. So just, just I'd, like, I'd like for you to have my crown because I don't want to be king anymore. I'm sick of being king. And, and Jesus looked at him, he smiled, and he said, uh, you don't know me very well, do you? Will said, what do you mean? Jesus said, you can't make me king. I am king, always have been, always will be, Lord of lords, king of kings. And furthermore, I got my own crown. Furthermore, I won't take yours because I made you to grow up and to rule and reign with me throughout the eternal ages. See, you've got no choice but to make choices because I made you for relationship with me. And you're going to have to choose a lot of things. So I'm not going to take that crown from you. In fact, I need to tell you, the problem is you've been a wimp. Uh-huh. Uh -uh. You've been letting a bunch of things ruin your life, and you're responsible. But I will come into your heart, and I will help you. I'll give you enough help so that you can, you can be more than conquer, but you're going to have to learn one thing. You know what that is? You're going to have to learn to trust me. So here, here's the point. Would you trust me if I came into your heart? In fact, I won't come in unless you set your will to trust me. That is who you are, you know. So do you think you could do that? Yes. Think it'll be easy? No. No, it's going to be work, see. So let me, let me explain how it'll work, see. People, when they invite me to come into their heart, they, they, they think because I'm God and because I can do anything, they think that I'm going to fix all their problems. They think that I'm going to make the storm turn into bright sunshine. They think I'm going to get a parking spot for them. Put they, they, I, they think I'll just do anything. I could. I could. It'd be so easy for me. But that's normally not how I work. The way I normally work is I speak. And if I come in to your heart, I too will be one of your advisors. And I will speak, but you're going to have to decide to trust me. Because I, I didn't make you to force you. I didn't make you to control you. I made you for a love relationship. I do want to serve you, but by helping you to grow up. And, and you're going to have to learn. Because I've heard you talk. I mean, I've heard, I mean, I've heard you, you blamed your boss for everything. That, that's not the problem. I've even heard you talk about your wife. She's not your problem. I need to tell you. She's not your problem. You know what your problem is? That's your problem right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and the fact, the biggest problem is that you've been a wimp because you've been letting them call the shots. But I'm here, and I'll help you. And if you learn to trust me and believe what I say, and commit to doing what I say, I'll not only tell you, but I'll strengthen you to do what I say. But you're going to have to understand what they've done. So can I explain them to you? Yeah. So far, so good. You understand what I'm saying? Perfect. Okay. Okay. So, well, let me start with this guy right here. Now, when I made him, he was really good. And I gave him to you to help you. The problem is, I wasn't in your life. And without me, 
he's an absolute mess. See, he thinks he knows absolutely everything. I mean, he comes to your meeting, and he talks and talks and talks and talks. He talks, and he won't, he won't shut up. In fact, you, you try to sleep at night, he keeps talking. See, he's your mind. And I gave him to you to serve you. The problem is you've let him run the show. How many times have I heard you say, well, I think, and you think because you think it, it's okay to say it, it's okay to do it. You know where you got the idea? Mm-hmm, right here. And I need to tell you something. He's not going away. I mean, you're going to have him the rest of your life. I'm not going to take your mind from you. <laughs> I mean, now, he'll keep talking. As you get older, it'll get a little garbled, you know. But, but you, you're just going to have to know he's not going to quit talking. So what you do, here's what you do. Every time he talks, I want you to take your hands like this, hold up your hands, and grab those thoughts. And I want you to learn to bring every thought captive into relationship, into obedience to me. See, if you bring your thoughts to me, I come to you, I made you for a relationship, see, and you listen to him, but before you act and speak, listen to me, I'll save your life, I'll tell you the truth, and the truth will set you free, see, you need to learn to trust in me with all your heart, and to not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, Acknowledge me. You know what that means? That word for the two to become one. That means find out what I think and you change to agree with me. It's called repent over and over and over and over. And, and then when you have my mind, you think the way I do, you'll trust me. You'll, be, you'll have peace. You'll have, it, it'll, I'll save your life and I'll, I'll guide you. And when you trust me enough, I tell you to walk on water and, and you trust me and you say, I'll hold you. I'll give you what you need if you trust me. Think it's going to be easy? No, it's going to be work. You're going to need help. Okay? That's why you've got a church. Okay? All right, good. So, so far, so good? So far, so good. Okay, good. Well, you think he's bad. <laughs> <laughs> then there's this one. <laughs> I mean, he comes to your meetings and he talks. She comes and <laughs> she screams. She hollers. She, she goes nuts. And you've let her boss you around. I've watched it. See, she's your emotions. And, and I hear you say all the time, uh-huh. You, you, I've heard you say, well, I feel. And you think because you feel you can say anything you want. Uh-huh. How's it working for you? Not so well, is it? Well, there's some things you have to learn about her. But first you have to understand, this guy, he's pretty loyal to you. But, oh, baby, he loves her. And he tells her absolutely everything. I mean, it's just me. But, but, yeah, that's right. But here's what happens. <laughs> she's never had an original thought in her life. <laughs> well, she's not supposed to. She's your emotions. See? 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 But here's your mind. Pretty loyal to you, but tells her everything. And if he tells her something good, she feels good, and she's happy, and she's got peace. But most of the time, he notices what's bad, and he tells her, oh, she, she's afraid, she's embarrassed, she's ashamed, she's angry, she, and she pounds at your table, and you've just let her get away with murder, and it's about killing you. So you're going to you're gonna have to quit it. So here's what you need to do, and I'll help you. But every time she goes off, and she will, she's not going away. Right. What you have to do is just tell her, shh, calm down. Calm down, and then turn to him and say, what in the thunder have you been telling her? 
and, and grab that thought, and what do you do with it? Bring it to me and say, Jesus, I was feeling depressed. I was angry. I was messed up. And, and so I knew that I must have been thinking something stupid. So I asked my brain what he'd been saying to me, and he told me, and I wonder what you think about what I was thinking that was causing me to feel so bad. Yeah. See? You think that'll be easy? Oh, that's good. How long have you been practicing doing this? You've been letting them boss you around your whole life. Uh-huh. See, you got to go out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so far? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, then there's this last one. Oh, baby. And he's got saved. I just looked at the clock. I don't have time to tell you about him. I mean, he, he's got saved. But, but you think these two are bad? I mean, they didn't start squawking for But the second you were born, <laughs> he took over. Because he, he, wanted, he wanted to be held. He wanted something to eat. He wanted to be, he, he wanted to, his diapers changed. He just squawked. Him. See, he's your desires. Mm-hmm. You got a boatload of them. He, I mean, he wants, he wants everyone to think he's cool. He wants new clothes. He wants a new car. He wants to be the best man. He, he wants to be president. I mean, he wants, and he, he just, and he's, he's strong. And he comes and with all his desires. And, and I've heard you, now tell me, how many times a day do you say, I want uh-huh, uh-huh. Desire. Mm-hmm. How many times a day do you say, I think? A lot. Mm-hmm. Or I feel? Uh-huh. It's all about? Oh. Uh. See? Wow. So, here's what you have to learn. When I'm in your life, he, he wants good things. He just doesn't get it. I mean, it's a candy bar or $1,000. He'll take a candy bar. So... So you, you just have to tell him to cool down for a second and learn, come to me and say, Jesus, I was wanting to do this, but I trust you. So before, before I do it, Jesus, I'm wondering, what do you think and what do you want? I'll tell you the truth. It'll save you if you trust me. See? If you put your faith. People say to me all the time, well, Jesus, I trust you. They don't. I mean, they invite me into their heart and... They don't even talk to me hardly. Oh, they come on Sunday and sing a couple songs about me and listen to me. But they didn't talk to me. And I come in to save them. But they treat me as if I'm not there. They, ah, they just they forget about me. So are you going to be like them? No. Oh, good. Will that be easy? No. no, it'll be hard, won't it? So let me tell you something else. When, when I've been in your heart for a while, he's smart. And when he hears me talk, it'll make sense to him. And he'll start thinking right. And not only will he tell you the truth, so he'll help you. I mean, you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But he'll tell her the truth. And she'll be happy. She'll have joy. She'll have peace. She'll be right. I mean, you'll just lie. They'll help you. But you still don't let them call the final shot. No matter what they say, bring it to me. Because I didn't make you to be a holy robot. I made you have a relationship with me. And, and he, when he sees me, I mean, he wants good stuff. And, but he's done Realize what it is, but he sees me. He'll love me. He'll want what I want, and he'll be a help to you. And so, but it's your task to make sure that they quit calling the shots. And I'll give you enough help, but I won't force it. I could, but I made you for relationship, not to overpower you. Fair enough? Do you wish I'd overpower you? I won't. (laughs) I'll help you. I'll help you. Uh, and if you'll listen to me, see, I made you yeah. not to be a robot, but for a marriage. The two are to be one. And so they'll get changed and they'll help you, but you're the key. 
Does this make sense? Yes. Let me ask, does this make sense? Yes. Most people don't know, have a clue about guarding their hearts. They just live, I think, I feel, I want Christians, not bad people, really good people. But they haven't understood what's going on in their heart. So let me real quickly move on. I, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to skip these next two. Uh, family, I mean, uh, um, the, sorry, the, I can't even think of what I'm trying to talk about. People and demonic issues. I'm not going to talk about them. I got to hurry on. Let's, let's go here. So let me just wrap it real quick. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. in Christ. That means Christ is in you. Right? So here's how it works. Once upon a time, little King Will didn't know Jesus. And he depended on, he put his faith in his advisors. But then he got to know enough about Jesus that though he was a mess, he said, I will trust Jesus. And Jesus not only forgave him, but the big thing is he gave him something brand new himself. And he came to live in little King Will. This is the spirit of Christ indwelling every Christian. See? And so Jesus came to dwell because little King Will chose to trust Jesus. Didn't make him a saint. Made him indwelled by the Holy One who would help him become a saint. And they had to go to work. But here's the key. God who sees the heart knows the heart of your heart, and he knows how immature you are, how much your bad habits, your struggles, your history, but he also knows when you have set your will to trust him, he says, perfect, I see your heart, I will come in, all is forgiven, and now we start a new life together, it used to be you, now it's we, and there's no condemnation, not for those who live perfectly, but no condemnation for those who put their faith in King Jesus, not only he died for them, but he came to dwell in them for real relationship, amen? amen. See? So everybody say, I'm saved by grace, I'm really glad, because I'm a mess, never mind, don't say that, okay, so there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He condemned sin in the flesh, that's a whole other idea, in order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us that we might have abundant life, who do not walk according to the flesh. Now, if you don't hear anything else I say, try to pick this up. It doesn't say who do not have flesh. It says those who do not walk or let the flesh govern. See? So, try to remember this. I'll ask you a question. How do lost people live their lives? Think about it. They do what they think. They do what they feel. They do what they want. Don't they? But not us. Everybody say, not us. Why? Because once upon a time, we were single. We were not married to Jesus. He had not come to dwell in our house. But then we repented, put our faith in him, and he moved in. And I used to be me, now it's we. See? And so the agreement was that our faith would be in him, not in what we think or feel and want, but our faith is in Jesus, and our will is set to trust him, not to trust these guys. Fair? See? So we don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Is that easy? No. Do we have a bunch of bad habits? Yes. Say a boatload of bad habits. That's why we're going to practice. It's one thing to start from scratch. But when someone's got to buy, I used to play basketball, and I had a bunch of bad habits in the way I shot. 
My mean old coach first had to get the bad habits gone before he could get, he never did get it done. Anyhow, <laughs> we need to practice the presence of Jesus. So we don't live according to the flesh. We live according to the spirit. If you're living according to the flesh, you must die. You know what that means? Plain English. If you live according to, if you let them govern, if you let them be king or God, if you live according to the flesh, it will kill you. Sooner or later, it will destroy the good that God makes possible but not inevitable. It'll kill you. But if by the Spirit, you're putting to death, not the flesh, your emotions, your desires, your mind, they're not in and of themselves evil, but without Jesus, they were terribly darkened and messed up. So Jesus comes to transform you. And if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, then you'll have abundant life, real life. Not just eternal life, but a quality of life now. But it requires that we decide that there, Jesus is my life. When Christ, who is your life, appears. So we fix our eyes on Christ. Fixing your eyes on him. So it's not just a little side piece of our life. Yeah, I did that 20 years ago, and now occasionally I check it. No, no, he is your life. See? See? So, go ahead, hon. All who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are children of God. Don't know how long ago you became a Christ follower. Hope that most of you did at one point set your will to trust Jesus. It's a repentance. That's a big thing to decide to put your will to trust Jesus. But all who are being led by the Spirit. This isn't about what you did 30 years ago or 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Today is the day of... Today is the day that the Savior dwells in you to save you from yourself and everything else. Wouldn't it be great if he forced it? Then we wouldn't have any relationship. We'd be robots. And he didn't, the whole meaning of creation is lost because he gave us freedom so we could love. It's all about a love relationship. Those who are being led. Today is the day. Those who today are walking with and by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, they are children of God. True or false? So you all know it's about a living, real relationship today. Is the Holy Spirit real? Is he important? Is he worth talking about? When our mind says, I, want, I think this or I want this, do you think we should consider including Jesus in the conversation? Would he save us from saying stupid things and doing worse things? He'll save your life from the bad, and he'll talk to us and show us what is good. He'll show us what we need to know. It'd be really good to be led by the Spirit instead of walking by the flesh. See? Is it easy? Do we need practice? We'll practice tonight. So we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Really? Every thought. Do you know how many thoughts we have per day? Psychologists say 80,000 for men, 100,000 for women. I'm just saying, okay? They really do have a mind, just to make it clear, okay? Just want you all to know. Well, let me pick on your passion whom I love deeply. How many thoughts have you had so far? It's almost 11 or 12. I don't know what time it is. Probably 30,000, 40,000 thoughts so far? Easily. Easily. How many times did you go slow enough 
to say, Jesus, I'm thinking, what do you think? Or I want, what do you want? Whoa, that's a lot of work. You have to have a really good break to slow down so that when the Spirit speaks, you have direction to go. Got it? So we take captive one thought per month. How important is Jesus? Worth including. Will he save us? Will will he take away all the storms and give us a parking spot? Uh -uh. But will he give us whatever we need so that no matter when kids are pulling our hair, when kids are slamming us in lockers and punches, we can turn around and call them friend and invite them to our house and then lead them to Jesus who they saw coming through us. See how it works? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Don't be deceived. Don't kid yourself. You can't kid God. God's not mocked. Whoever sows to please their flesh, not whoever has flesh, the word became flesh. We'll talk about Jesus tonight. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap, say it with me, destruction. Destruction. You want to be destroyed. But whoever sows to please the spirit, and you're going to sow something. You're going to sow words, you're going to sow acts. It'll either come from the flesh or the spirit. Are we weird? Uh-huh. Lost people live by themselves. We are not alone. Christ dwells in us. We're different. Call it weird. We're not God, but he lives in us. And we need to treat him as if he's God. Amen? People say, oh, Jesus is always with me. I say, you're not kidding. He's always there. So do not be deceived. You can't fool God. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. But here's the promise. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap every kind of life. Jesus wants his bride to have life. He didn't get married to us to have us stay a mess. He came to save us, mostly from ourselves. Amen? Thank you. Would you stand with me, please? Jesus probably said a lot of things to you this morning. Could you try to take one of the most important things that you think is from the Holy Spirit through the Word and say, Jesus, I hear you saying this to me. Can you put the words in Jesus' mouth? I hear you saying this to me. What is your response? Look Jesus in the eye. You can see him. Imagine Jesus. What's your response to what he said to you? 